Welcome to the Five Solas Podcast. I am, of course, your host, James Watkins, and we are on Facebook Live right now. This is for the first time, but we're only going to be on Facebook Live for roughly about the first 10 minutes. So if you want to get the rest of this episode, you'll have to wait until Tuesday whenever the podcast drops. On You can listen to it on your favorite podcast uh app, iTunes, Android, wherever you listen to it. Listen to it on your favorite one. Uh, if you would, do me a favor. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Go to your favorite podcast app. Type in the number 5 Sola. Subscribe, leave a rating and a review. Very much appreciated. So today, tonight, we are beginning our tulip series for the month of April. I've been promising this for the last month. Uh, Total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. I have guests lined up for every single one of these episodes. I have been so excited about this. I am so ready to get this started. Now, before we get too far in, I do have a special guest here with me. Joining me for this discussion is none other than James White. And no, it is not that James White, but James White. James, thank you for joining me, coming on with me to discuss this very vital and important doctrine. Man, I'm glad to glad to be on here. Um, no, I am not the James White. Um, in different groups and whatnot that I'm in, it's a common joke that even so much so that a good buddy of mine uh, has made a meme for me with uh, Dr. James White's face as, as he was preaching. It says, no, not that James White. And I've been fortunate enough to get that meme. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. Uh, and I've also shared it on two or three other pages this week. So it's just the nature of having this name. I, I, I've joked with other folks about maybe putting my middle initial there, but um, I don't think it'll change much anyway. It's not an R, is it? <laughs> no, it's a D. That's why I wouldn't change it much because it's too similar. All right. Well, well, James, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know that you are named after one of the best theologians slash apologists of our era, but who exactly is the other James White? Well, if you mean by the other James White, do you mean the professional basketball or football player James White? Or do you mean me? Well, James White is obviously a very common. You have one of the most common first names and a very common last name. It was just bound for him to get meshed together at some point. Man, there's no doubt about that. Well, other than being a little sick due to some pollen, I'm James White. I live in Vernon, Alabama. I pastor a church in here in Vernon uh, called Lighthouse Community Church. Love the church. Uh, grateful to be a part of it. The church itself is nine years old. I have been there for uh, four and a half years of that nine year time period. And it's been a fantastic time there already and looking forward to what God has in store for us the rest of our time here, uh, however long that may be. But um, other than that, I have a wonderful wife named Sarah. We have been married for six years and we have a seven week old as of yesterday that's wow. named Charlotte Claire, or we call her Lottie Claire. And, um, so sleep is not, uh, something that happens a lot in my house right now. I was actually texting with some friends today about my sleep schedule, uh, cause my Apple watch shows everything. And, um, I think my average for the last two weeks has been like right around three and a half to four and a half hours a night. And so, but that's, that's perfectly fine. And I, I, I find joy in waking up and feeding her at night and whatnot. But other than that, um, I also do podcasting as well. And I, I am one of the co-hosts of the Everyday Ministry Podcast. And our little taglines, we're a podcast where everyday ministers get together to discuss ministry. And kind of just a quick format of that, 
uh, just to get that out of the way. It's four of us. One of us is a senior pastor. That's myself. One's a youth pastor. One's a church member, uh, unless uh, there's a possibility he may be taking the pastorate soon. And then another one's a lay elder in his church. And we live in three different locations. And really the point is to talk about ministry. And that ministry is the job of every believer, not just the paid uh, staff of a church. And so we talk about different things and just how it relates to everyday ministry. Uh, but other than that, uh, I, I'm delighted to be on here with you tonight, man. Yeah, it's great to have you. So, so I initially posted in the Christian podcast community, and I was looking for guests for Tulip, and you jumped all over total depravity. You were one of the first yeah. ones to comment on it. I, th- I know we had had a little bit of discussion beforehand uh, about you coming on and doing total depravity with me a, a while back. And, but it seems that you're very, very interested in total depravity. So why is this topic so so important to you that you want to discuss it? Let's just lay it out there from the front end. I, I can be a very almost pessimistic person at times and negative. And so I guess naturally I'm drawn to the negative side of things. Uh, but realistically, when it comes to the doctrine, the reason why it's so crucial, in my opinion, is because it's the beginning of the gospel. Though, uh, obviously, the the holiness and the righteousness of God is where it all stems from. Um, but the issue and the root of the issue of humanity is the fact that we are totally depraved right. and that we are unable to save ourselves. And without a clear understanding of that, if we believe that we're better than we are or that we're inherently good, then there would be no need for Christ. And so this foundation of understanding our origin and what we were born into and then what we freely choose as well is the nature of why we need Christ. Right. Right. So I actually I posted in uh, the striving for eternity ministries. That is uh, the ministry that is operated by Andrew Rappaport, who uh, actually hosts the Rappaport. Uh, one of the hosts of apologetics live does a fantastic job with that, but I posted on their personal Facebook page. I posted a question. I've been doing a lot of polls lately. And the question that I asked in the, in the group, was what is the doctrine of total depravity? And I want to go through a couple of these answers. So the very first answer, what is the doctrine of total depravity? The first answer, Obama. (laughs) Uh, uh, You got some very uh, biblical answers. In the fall of Adam, all of mankind was plunged into a state of sin, spiritual death, alienation from God, hostility toward God, and an attitude of autonomy. Every element of man's being was corrupted to the point that he is both unable and unwilling, two very important words there, to be reconciled to God in and of himself. Other one, not as bad as I can be, but as bad off as I can be. Absolute inability, we'll talk about that. Uh, Adam helped flaunt the whole class. We are his offspring. The last one on there, and I kind of like this one. I always like to say that the totality of a person is tainted and enslaved to sin. So would you agree with those definitions or anything that you add to those definitions? Um, I think there's definitely some things that we should edge out a little bit, which I figure feel like we're going to do in the podcast. Do um, The natural self is kind of wants to laugh at the first response of being Obama. It's just kind of funny. And I don't know if that gentleman or lady was joking or being serious or not, but or a little uh, bit of both. <laughs> yeah, probably. So, um, and so if I asked that question around the area in which I live, that's probably what most answers would be given to. So, but I, I think some of the answers are right on. Uh, I think some of them would, like I said, might need to be, you know, fleshed out a little bit, but um, generally as we're going to get into tonight, you know, 
there's different aspects of total depravity that many un- misunderstand. And we're gonna, I think we're going to look at that distinction when we look at uh, totally depraved rather than uh, or versus early urgent utterly depraved and so but i'm looking forward to jumping into it man it's interesting how good polls can be sometimes and then sometimes how uh, how negative they can be as well it don't look like you had a lot of bad responses on that one at least no and actually uh i did a poll on total depravity i asked is total depravity biblical i posted it in a few different groups and i was expecting you know to kind of have like like a little bit of like 50 50 48 you know 52 mm-hmm. Didn't get that. It was 100% yes, and it had about 60 votes. I was kind of encouraged about that. That is uh, what you mean. Obviously, on Facebook, I'm not sure how diverse your friend group is, but obviously most people that interact with your pages would probably line up with the principles of the TULIP. So uh, maybe that's the nature of it. But even when we look at the five subjects of the TULIP, that's not the one that's really looked at negatively so it's one that right. most can kind of agree on it's just a matter of yeah it's consistency i think what i think when the one that when people begin to separate on the idea of total depravity it's under the idea that unable but also unwilling to come to christ right. and i think that's where the issue comes into most people's minds and you know what we are going to talk about my free will on the podcast, I told everybody that this would be about a 10-minute segment. Uh, if you want to listen to the rest of it, you're going to have to download the podcast. Five Solas Podcasts on all of your favorite podcast apps. Uh, so for right now, what we're going to do is we are going to sign off of Facebook Live. We are going to continue the podcast. This will be dropped on Tuesday at 6 a.m. So if you're on the way to work, you'll be able to listen. So As of right now, guys, this is James, Five Souls Podcast. We are going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with you. Hey, I'm Daryl, and I'm here with my wife, Karen. What's up? And we're the hosts of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast, the podcast that seeks to answer the question that we all asked, what are we even doing here? We cover topics such as marriage, family, life, and living a Christian life in this crazy world. We don't have all the answers, but we know where to look. Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud as we seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here. Grace and peace. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Five Solas Podcast. This is James, and I am here with James White, the other James White, not that James White. Uh, but this is James with the Five Solas Podcast. We are on here discussing total depravity, the first in our series in Tulip. And so far, we had a pretty good uh, introduction with it. I think we set a good foundation as far as definition goes. Would you agree with that? I mean, I think so. Uh, I think um, it was at least a bit a good introduction, but I do think it's going to be fun uh, to unpack some of these principles. Yeah, absolutely. So I know, um, you know, whenever I, whenever I do like the podcast, of course, some of the stuff I pull from my sermon notes, I'll look back on some of the notes I have for that. Uh, I still study it as if I'm putting a sermon together almost, even though I'm not, because I don't want to get on air and sound like an idiot. Uh, but I listened to a lot of R.C. Sproul and he kind of, swayed me a little bit in a couple of areas, Uh, namely being uh, total depravity. I completely agree with it that we are totally depraved, Uh, but he also seemed to want to replace that T, scratch that T out and replace it with an R. Uh, He said it just kind of defined it a little bit better because the issue is, is that most people, whenever they argue against total depravity, they're actually misrepresenting it because they don't know what it means. So he argues that the T should actually be an R for radical corruption. 
Well, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you feel about that? Other names that go along with it to describe it. It's just like anything else. I mean, so any kind of argument or any kind of discussion we have in society, if it be religious or if it be political or if it be uh, sports, whatever the case may be, uh, we live in a, a climate to where we have to define our terminology. And so I understand what Spurl, Spurl was doing in kind of explaining the difference there. But I think it personally, I think some of their origin was kind of still the same principles, but it's been yeah warped over the past few years, um, past, you know, over the last 500 years, essentially. And so, uh, I, I think he has a good view on it. I actually read a few of his articles as I was preparing for this conversation. And, you know, I think some of the principle of why he defines it that way is because there is this difference between being, um, depraved in every essence of who we are right. and being depraved to our worst ability. Right. I think that's kind of why he defines it differently because in reality, we're not as depraved as we could be. Thank um, God. Yeah. Thank God. I thank mean, God. even if you, you think about individuals like Stalin or Hitler or uh, even, you know, we've seen shootings over the last 10 yeah. years that are horrific. Uh, you know, you think about those things, those, those individuals are more depraved than we are in essence. Right. And so that's where I think I, I like how he redefines it and he looks at it differently because of that. Because in one's mind, they may jump to this, well, I'm not totally depraved because I'm not as bad as so-and-so or this individual. But in all reality, we're totally depraved in the essence of the sense that we all need Christ and could not be saved outside of the work of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in our lives. Right. And, and so, I, I think that is so important. Uh, you know, the at uh, James White, the James White, in uh, his book, The Forgotten Trinity, he, he actually ma- kind of makes a, a little bit of a parallel to what I'm getting to, is that oftentimes whenever people against the doctrine of the Trinity, oftentimes whenever people who are opposing the doctrine of the Trinity, they are actually opposing a misrepresentation rather than the actual historical belief that we hold to. And I think that's important for us because, you know, we get into these, uh, especially now, it seems like Cage Stage is growing a lot more uh, with with Facebook lately. Uh, social media is becoming rampant, and so what you're seeing is a lot of people having conversation on the doctrine. And honestly, most Calvinists don't really understand the doctrine either. Yeah, I agree. So we actually have another word that can move a little bit into it. And I think let's go into that a little bit further on into the podcast, but I know you have studied A.W. Pink on the doctrine of total depravity. What have you learned through your studies of A.W. Pink? Well, uh, first and foremost, so one thing that my podcast does is that we always give a plug of the week at the end. And uh, I'm going to do it in the middle of yours because if, if under this topic of total depravity, he wrote a book. I think it's actually called the total depravity of man. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what it's the technical term is, uh, technical title is. But I actually bought it a while back on um, iTunes, which is the best form of a, a, a phone you can buy. Now, any kind of Android out there, there's horrific people, and it's an example of total depravity. But anyway, <laughs> so um, he has it on there, and you can buy it for like 99 cents, and it's yeah. in modern language. I mean, fantastic. Um, but anyway, as I read through it, you know, really just some things that pointed, just jumped out to me. It's just the important thing to begin with is thinking about, the idea of total depravity, we don't see that picture in Genesis chapter three yet, right? In the creation up to Genesis chapter one through chapter three, total depravity is something that comes after the fall of man. Right, right. So Adam and Eve wasn't born totally depraved. They were born with, I'm not sure what the technical term would be, but they were really 
created with a genuine free will. Yes. They had the free will to choose sin or not to choose sin. Uh, where the difference for us now that we have been born as Adam as our second, our, our parent, then we are born into sin. And though we freely choose sin, we are already born into it. Therefore we're sinful in, in inheritance. Right. So I like how the AW begins with talking about that, because I think that's the other argument against total depravity is that in the creation of Adam, we don't see that because we see that he chose to take and eat of the tree of the good of the fruit, uh, the fruit of the tree. And in doing so he sinned against God. And so he chose that. Um, right. And I think that's kind of, you know, you alluded that we're going to jump into it later about the, the free will aspect, yeah. but I appreciated how AWP begins there because I think we have to start there. Yeah. And so for the, uh, the proponents of free will that you come to Christ of your own free will without any kind of, of drawing, which I don't think they'll say without drawing, that's a misrepresentation on my part because they, they'll admit that there's a drawing, but it's not actually, you know, we understand that being, drawn having that uh, regenerating work of the Holy Spirit done to us. But there is a, look what free will got us <laughs> in the garden, right? But uh, there's another aspect that we have to look at as well. Honestly, I, I think I see it more as a result of us being totally depraved and it moves into total inability. And for for the reformed position, this is most often deprived from John six forty four, uh, where we see where Jesus actually says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. The question is, is at this point right here, we're going into a little bit to the free will thing right here. And is the will free? That's really the question. What is free will in terms of what, how we should define free will? Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to, I hate to lean on this completely because there's so many things that we can quickly lean on it with is, but there is a mystery in the fact that God is sovereign and we do see principles of free will in scripture. Right. Um, and so I know you're going to probably touch on this when you talk about irresistible grace. Um, so I will let that brave gentleman there uh, tackle this in a lot more detail than I'm going to. But really what I think it boils down to is that we freely choose Christ after the spirit has illuminated our heart. Right. I mean, you think about uh, Ezekiel 37 or you think about, like you said, John six, or I, I even think of John chapter 10, John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. But he also says, I am the, the ship, the, I am the sheep gate. So that right. he says, I am the gate and I am the shepherd. And then later in this conversation, as you get towards the end of John chapter 10, he says that you did not believe in me. And the reason you did not believe in me, because you were not my sheep. Right. And it's a hard pill to swallow at times, but it's a, it's a true, true in that sense. As, as you look at him explaining that he's saying, look, you don't believe me or in me because you don't hear my voice because you are not my sheep. Right. Um, and so there is something that happens in us that God has to illuminate our heart so that we can believe and trust in him as we need to in salvation. Um, but we freely choose him at that point. Right. He's, you know, he's not bringing us to that. Uh, but it's kind of, as we said, you're going to get on this when you talk about irresistible grace, but it's, it's the idea that after you truly see salvation for what it is, can you turn it down? Right. Yeah, and I am going to if touch you on understand that. your depravity versus God's holiness. 
can you freely give that up? And the only way that you can truly understand that is by the illuminating of the spirit. Right. And yeah, we are going to touch on that uh, whenever we do irresistible grace. But here's the thing, though, is that whenever you are speaking of TULIP, uh, the total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints, they all flow from total depravity. Is that if you have total depravity, the logical step is ULIP. <laughs> so without, uh, so it's kind of impossible to just discuss total depravity without getting into in some way, the other, uh, so that's why we are speaking a little bit, cause you're going to hear a little bit on unconditional election, a little bit on limited atonement, a little bit of irresistible grace. And then of course, perseverance of the same. All right. So kind of moving a little bit more into this, you know, we were talking about the free will. We've talked about the garden of Eden, the fall in Genesis chapter three. So let, let's look at it from this perspective. What exactly happened in the Garden of Eden whenever Adam and Eve fell? Well, really what we see is that Adam is our representative. Um, Romans 5, 2 uh, says it best. It says sin was imputed upon all humankind due to the sin of Adam and Eve. And that's just me paraphrasing it there. That's just quoting there. Um, and, and really it's this idea that uh, because Adam and Eve sinned, it brought this punishment onto all humanity. We see that in the curse of the woman. We see that in the curse of the serpent. We see that in the curse of the man. And so because Adam sinned and rebelled against God, it wasn't just this mere eating of the fruit. It wasn't just this simple act that he did against God. It was total rejection of who God is right. in his law. And so when he did that, he brought on this curse to all humanity, and that curse was sin, and in sin was death. Uh, and what we saw at the end of Genesis chapter 3 is that death wasn't an immediate death. That death was an eternal death. That death was a spiritual death, where they would then be separated from this perfect relationship which they had with Christ. And because of that, it has been given to all humanity that was then born after. Um, and people have a big issue with this. Some people do anyway, have a big issue with this because they don't like for Adam to be their representative. Right. And I was actually going to go into that a little bit, but how is that fair that Adam made some fruit and I am responsible for that? Typical atheist argument. I know I used to be one. (laughs) Exactly. And though this may not satisfy everyone, uh, the way I kind of explain it quite often is that we would do the same thing Adam did and possibly sooner than he did it. Amen. Um, and in all reality, that that's the issue is that we, but that's the important thing though, is that we understand that we sin was imputed to us, but we also freely choose to sin also. Right. So right. even if that was not the case, we would still sin. So, but it is the case. And so therefore, uh, that's the issue for humanity is that original sin exists. And because original sin exists, it goes into all of creation. Right. Um, and we see that we see that through, uh, Cain and Abel. We see that through no, uh, Jonah. We see we see that through Noah. We see through that through Abraham, through David, throughout all of the lineage of the Old Testament. Uh, which is a small side note. That's why you can't re- preach through the Old Testament and glorify the individuals of the Old Testament. Right? Because they were sinful and fallen, just like we are. Uh, I actually had a gentleman in my church one day after we were talking about David, he said, man, look, in all reality, I'm a better person than David is. I haven't cheated on my wife. I hadn't killed my best friend. I hadn't done all of this. I was like, (laughs) you're exactly right. I just chose to use David in that capacity. Uh, It wasn't to any work of David. It was to the work of God and the glory of God. 
Right. And you want to talk about needing like just a, a mirror with the Ten Commandments listed on it at that point. Uh, is, that, is that really, um, that comes down to it as well, is that oftentimes we have, uh, it gets a little bit uh, like the Pharisee that I thank you that I'm not like this tax collector, is that we have, kind of have that mindset, well, a total depravity, well, I'm not near as bad as that person. I'm not near as bad as Hitler, for instance, whenever we we see uh, that God restrains evil. And uh, Paul Washer actually made a point at one time that every person has the potential to be exactly what Hitler was in the chi- in the in the ability to make Hitler look like a choir boy. That is the depth of total depravity. That is the depth of our radical corruption. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that right after this quick break. Robert here, co-host of Growth Project Radio, and I want to tell you about Grace Alone Witness Apparel. This ministry is dedicated to providing you with biblical apparel and gospel tracks to help start conversations for the gospel. They firmly believe that it is the responsibility of all Christians to be obedient to the command to preach the gospel, and they want to help you to do that in any way that they can. They have many designs that are bold and biblical that are sure to spark conversation for the gospel to the glory of God. They also do custom work as well as bulk orders for all needs from personal to ministry to outreach, they can take care of you. Visit gracealonewa.com for more information. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with the Five Solas Podcast, and I'm here with the other James White. Still, we're talking about the doctrine of total depravity or radical corruption, or as we have already discussed, total inability. And I want to go back, James, to where we were just a minute ago, where we were speaking about Adam being our representative in the garden and some of the arguments that, well, how is it fair that Adam is my representative in the garden? I didn't make the choice to eat of the tree. Uh, so how am I responsible for the sin of Adam? Let's look at it from another perspective and how the, the other perspective being how Christ is now our representative in salvation. Well, and I think that's, that's kind of what in my mind, I'm trying to reconcile how people um, disagree with Adam being their representative because we have no issue with Christ being our representative. Right. Um, and since Christ is, see, even not too many verses after Romans 5, uh, 12 is when Paul gets into Romans five seventeen and he talks about how uh, both righteousness came through one man and that man being Christ Jesus. And so that all who believe in Christ now have his righteousness imputed upon them. Um, now, I, th- I do think there has to be a distinction made um, between that Adam was a representative of humanity as a whole, so therefore sin is imputed to all humanity, right. where Christ is only a representative of those who believe and trust in him. And there's that L. <laughs> yes. There's um, L, limited atonement. Exactly. And so... Uh, there is a difference there. We have to make that difference because we don't we don't believe in universalism. That is the right word in it. Um, yeah. it's, it's, grow, it's growing. It is. It is. And we don't believe. I mean, I, I say we don't, but me and you don't. And I hope many of the losers don't because universalism is, um, it's a, I don't know how to say it eloquently, but it's a load of crap. Um, and if universalism was real, then there would be no need of evangelizing or sharing the gospel or making disciples. We would just um, let people live how they ever, however they want to live on this earth. There's yeah. no consequence. They get to go to heaven in the end. We would quit sharing the gospel with people in Africa and spending all time and money and efforts into that. And, uh, yeah. But in all reality, that's the beautiful thing about it though. You know, the whole point in talking through this doctrine is 
finding that Christ-centered, God-centeredness of it. And the beautiful thing about it is that though we were sinful, though we are corrupt, though we are depraved, that even though we were had sin imputed upon us, and even though we freely chose to sin and rebel against God, that Christ would still impute his righteousness to those who would believe in him. And that baffles me every time I think about it. Oh, yeah, um, and it should. It should, absolutely. Just to... Just it, it, it's a good thing, right? It, it's a good thing that it causes you to pause and to wonder why would God choose to do this? Um, I find joy in that, you know, going back, I feel like everything's going back to Genesis 3 tonight, but going back to even Genesis 3, where the curse of the serpent, in the curse of the serpent, there's this promise of a Messiah that was to come even then. In the darkest, exactly. In this darkest moment in human history, when sin had come into the world and ruined everything in which God had created, that Christ was promised then. But even more beautiful than that is what we see in other scriptures, that this was the plan from God before the foundation of the world, right. that he planned Christ to be the redeemer of the world before he created the world. And so in his omniscience, he knew that men would sin and fall and rebel against him because he was working out his will in all of this. And in doing so, he brought something. And this is a good transition for you. And you can keep that in there if you'd like. He <laughs> brought a way to bring himself ultimate glory through. Right. And his glory begins with understanding the depravity of man. Right. So this is oftentimes what you hear is that the doctrine of total depravity is just evil. It makes us nothing more than robots. That's one of the misunderstandings that, that we were talking about earlier. Uh, but this makes God totally evil. It makes him uh, it makes him a tyrant. That's not at all what we believe. What we believe is just simply man is just radically corrupt and in and of himself can do absolutely nothing to merit salvation, to obtain salvation without the work of God. In a monergistic way, uh, synerg- synergism is just, because now what you, what you really start running into it, you start running into uh, Pelagianism, semi-Pelagianism, which are just absolutely insane and are just conversations that could take up a couple of different podcasts. But you mentioned something very, very important. And I do want to go into this is how exactly is God glorified through the doctrine of total depravity? Well, um, I can't help but think about Ephesians chapter two in this. Um, when you're really looking at Ephesians chapter two, verses one through 10, it lays out the gospel beautifully. It does. Um, the first three verses explain total depravity, meaning that, uh, as he explains, we're dead in our trespasses and in our iniquity. We're dead in our sin. Um, very similar to how Lazarus is dead in John chapter 11. So for Lazarus is physically dead, but we're spiritually dead. Um, but Christ being who he is, raises us from the dead. He gives us spiritual life. Um, and the reason why I referenced John, uh, the, the account in John's story and John's gospel of Lazarus being raised from the dead is because it's a beautiful analogy for us because it helps us understand the true state of man, because we right. know what death is. We live with that reality in our lives. And when someone dies, there is no hope for them, right? right. When there's, there's nothing they can do. They can't stand up. They can't walk. They can't do anything. So as Lazarus laid in the tomb, there was nothing he could do but respond to the words of Christ, come on out. You know what I'm saying? So the same principle with our salvation is the fact that 
because we are dead in our sins, because we're dead in our trespasses, because that's who we are, then God saving us through the work of uh, the Son's efforts on the cross and the Spirit's illuminating the heart to draw us to the Father, through that work of God, He's bringing ultimate glory to Himself because He has taken something that's dead, unable to receive Him, unable to save themselves, unable to bring any form of salvation upon themselves and giving them life. Um, it's almost... It's almost the same picture of the creation of man we see in Genesis chapter 2 where God breathes right. life into him, but he's bringing, breathing spiritual life in them through the work of the Spirit and through the work of the Son. Um, and so ultimately what we see is that this principle of total depravity brings ultimate glory to God because God is the one that saves souls. Right. Um, if men could save themselves, then there would be no need for Christ. There'd be no need for the spirit. There'd be no need for the father to do this work in man. So therefore he would not get the glory. He would not get the honor, but because he is doing every part of salvation, therefore he gets all glory, all honor, all praise so much so that in Ephesians chapter four, I mean, Ephesians chapter two in these 10 verses, it says that you're saved by faith alone, not by works, so that no one may boast. And if we can't boast in our own salvation, then who do we boast in? Right. We right. boast in Christ. We boast exactly. in the work of the Father. And therefore, he gets all glory, all honor, all praise. Um, and I don't know if that's the best explanation to someone that want, you know, somebody that's an atheist or anything of that nature, because there's a lot of questions that come in the hand of depravity of man is, you know, if man, you know, why would God allow certain things to happen and whatnot? But ultimately, we see that God gets the glory because God is the one that saves sinners. Right. Um, yeah, so I will totally agree with absolutely everything that you said there. Is that is that really tulip in general? Total depravity. Total depravity is it magnifies God's glory and salvation because it is totally of God, and that is really at the root the difference between Christianity and every other world religion is that you have the biblical view of this and that we are dead in trespasses and in sin. And if you study the Greek on this, dead means dead, that there's really no other explanation for it. Uh, but the difference here lies in the fact that the biblical view of this is going to make salvation completely and totally in the hands of God, which is a beautiful thing. And it is very comforting to know that my salvation doesn't rest in and of myself. Whereas all the other world religions, you have to do this, you have to do that. Islam, you have no assurance whatsoever. I argue that uh, every other system, as a matter of fact, Roman Catholicism, the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, none of them have any assurance of salvation whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But the ones who do are the ones who trust and rest fully in the work of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm not sure. I, I know I heard this from somebody, and it very well could have been R.C. Sproul. Um, but so often we've heard the idea of salvation being explained uh, with this analogy of someone drowning in the water and uh, they're almost dead and their hands are lifted up and this person swoops in, saves them, give them uh, mouth to mouth and they're saved. Um, but in all reality, when you look at the true meaning of dead and you look at it in our spiritual condition, that means that we're not that man floating in the ocean waiting to be saved. We're that man that's sunken down to the bottom of the sea. That, that was sea. Yep. Christ dove off the boat, swam all the way down, picked us up, brought us back and then gave us new life. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it was Osprey, but I love that analogy it because 
that's what lays it out there. That's the truth behind it. Um, we're not saved by any work of ourselves. It's a complete work of God. Um, and no. but that's a, like you said, that's comforting. And the reason why that's comforting, and I know you're going to get into this um, on your very last episode of this topic, but this idea of the perseverance of the saints, that our salvation is not in our own work, so therefore it's not maintained by ourselves. So just right. like we didn't come to him in salvation by our works, we are not maintained by our works. Right. Um, and so and we see that even in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, speaking about R.C. Sproul, kind of in about the same line as what you were saying is that, that we're not the guys floating on top of the water. We're the ones that are sunken down. Is R.C. actually talks about he was in a seminary class and the professor – uh, he said that he had done a deep study on the word draw in John six forty one. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. Mm -hmm. So RC said that he looked it up and it actually is very, very similar to someone being drug in. But he said, whenever he brought this up in the seminary class, that the professor told him it was more along the lines of water being drawn out of the well. And RC said that he uh, looked at the professor and said, well, does that water choose to be drawn out of the well or is it pulled out? And so the professor just kind of nodded his head. So, <laughs> so right in line with that, man, I, he was such a warrior of the faith, man. Just, just so we really and truly did not realize what we had in him whenever he was here. But, you know, he, he's going to go down just like all of the, the theologians of great man. Yeah. Well, and even you saying that you go back to John 11, verse 44, when Jesus commands that Lazarus come out of the grave, what was he going to do? You know, was he going to continue to lay there? It's like, no, I'm going to uh, be dead. No. Yeah. I mean, he, he came out by the work of God in his life. And then in that, the glory of God was made manifest. Even so much so that in the beginning of this encounter where Christ raises him from the dead, he talks and he prays to the Father and he says, I'm, you listen to me and I know you listen to me because you always listen to me. And this prayer is not for my behalf, but for those around me. Right. so that they would know that you have sent me and I'm doing your work. And in doing your work, they would believe in me that I am you or the or one. And so in our salvation, it's the same thing. I love the book of John. I, uh, you probably hear me yeah. talk a lot about it. I'm preaching through it, and but I love it so much so because when you look at John chapter 20, 20 30 and 31, it tells us, John tells us why he wrote the book it's, and why he writes about the signs he writes. And he does so that they would believe and trust in him. And that would bring them salvation. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about in all of this. If there's one book that talks about the principles of the tulip better than any other, in my John. opinion, it is John. It's beautiful. Yeah. So I have um, for, I've been, uh, I was named the associate pastor slash intern slash doulas at uh, the church that I'm at now, uh, roughly about a year and a half ago now. And what I notice is that every single time I preach, somehow, some way, I gravitate towards the gospel of John. It is, mm -hmm. is so beautifully written. It, the only way that John can be written is if it was under the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit. A man in, in and of himself cannot write this in the way that John did. But it's so unique that 92% of what is in the Gospel of John, you don't find in the Synoptic Gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That's how, that's how unique it is. Uh, very Trinitarian-centered. It even starts out in the very first verse. In the beginning was the Word. And going into it a little bit more is you can look at it and see... A lot of different, I know Steve Lawson has done this to where you see 
about nine different ways that we are totally depraved through the entire gospel of John, such as uh, spiritual blindness. That's in John three, uh, whenever Jesus is addressing Nicodemus that you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And that goes back to salvation being monergistic. So James, this has been an awesome episode, man. So tell us a little bit um, about your podcast. I'll give you a platform, discuss your podcast. Where can we listen to it at? Yeah, I, um, I'll be glad to go into that. Um, once again, like I said, it's called the Everyday Ministry Podcast. Uh, we're on pretty much every iTunes catcher you can get out there, uh, any kind of podcast catcher you can get out there. Um, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, any of the other odd ones that people may listen to. I'm not sure if we're on a Lexus and all that junk. Um, I don't know how many people listen to podcasts on there. but uh, It's the simple conversation, much like what me and you're doing right here. Um, like right now, we're walking through Donald Whitney's uh, Spiritual Discipline books, and then we are generally all Southern Baptists, so we've been walking through the Baptist Faith and Message, and then we have some surprise episodes in between. But ultimately, we tie it all back to ministry. How do we live out the gospel in our lives, not only as paid vocational ministers, but also everyday ministers that uh, wake up and do an eight to five or nine to five, whatever the case may be for you. And you can look it up on any of the podcast apps, or you can go to the website, uh, which is www.everydayministrypodcast.com. And um, it's really simple to find on there on YouTube, on a lot of different places. I would encourage you to take a listen to it if you uh, are interested in it. And I actually heard another podcast suggest this um, on their podcast is, you know, don't listen to just one episode, listen to two or three episodes because you can't get the whole picture just from just one episode uh, because we could have had a bad night or uh, technical difficulties, whatever the case may be. Um, but I, I would appreciate anybody listening. And once again, before I get off here, I just want to recommend read, look up and buy it'd be a, 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 a electronic copy or a physical copy of A.W. Pink's book on total depravity. And then, like we said throughout the whole podcast, R.C. Sproul did some amazing work on it. Um, some simple stuff. And R.C., man, I know we trying to brag we don't seem we're, we're bragging on him i don't mean to be and we're baptists he, who are bragging on rc Sproul, a presbyterian exactly. that says a lot about his work <laughs> yeah exactly i was going to make a joke earlier when you talked about he's changed your mind on a lot if you if you're now sprinkling babies yeah. um, i actually made a meme the other day and you can cut this out if you'd like but i made a meme the other day because i'm in a, a coffee group and uh it's a calvinistic coffee group and i made a meme that says i sprinkle my coffee not my babies yeah, there you uh, go. <laughs> and I, but I do love making Presbyterian jokes every time I give my daughter a bath. And so, um, but look up his stuff because he uh, he lays stuff out there so plain and clear. Um, he's a deep theologian. He is that, but he writes and speaks in such a way that it doesn't matter if you uh, have no education to a doctrine that you're going to be able to understand it. And that's why I appreciate all so much. Now, obviously, we're going to disagree on infant baptism and then, uh, you know, church structure and things of sure, this. Sure. But, you know, I mean, that's kind of a, a a good thing is that is that, you know, that that really is that line that we can have disagreements and still call someone brother or sister. And uh, I mean, there's pretty much two little segments that I want to do here. I talked to you about this one last night. 
uh, that at first I was sitting there, I was like, you know, I'm thinking about renaming the podcast. And then I heard my wife in the background, no. And <laughs> so I'm not going to rename the podcast, but I am going to institute a new uh, thing right at the end of every podcast. And it's going to be the five points corner get it five points so we're going to institute that so i'm just going to run through five quick points from the podcast so far i've been putting notes in on my phone as i'm going along uh james has given us some fantastic information i'm very grateful that he agreed to come on hopefully he comes on more let me just run through these points really quick just to kind of tie it all together for you point one god is good and we are not and that is a insanely scary truth for those who are outside of Christ. Point two, all of mankind is affected by the fall. All are born dead in trespasses and in sin, fallen in Adam. Point three, dead means dead. It doesn't matter what language you study it in, dead means dead in every single language. A dead man does not have the capability to come to God on their own free will because the will is not necessarily free. We are free to do what's within our nature, but we are by nature children of wrath. Ephesians 2 verses 3 through 5. Jesus says in John 6 44 that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one can. That's total inability. Point number four, our coming to Christ is purely a work of God, where God changes our spiritual disposition. He gives us a new heart. It is an act of grace, sola gratia, grace alone. It is a gift of God. It is not of our own doing, Ephesians 2 verse 8. And finally, point five, our total depravity, our inability, our radical corruption glorifies God in salvation. And how does it glorify God in salvation? When we view God as own high, whenever we view and understand God as holy, 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 and look to the law of God as a mirror and let that reflection show us who we truly are. And we realize that the distance between us and God is from the throne of heaven to the grave and not merely a tiny difference as we oftentimes see it. We really and truly realize how wonderful, merciful, long-suffering and kind our God is to save such a wretch as me. And that's why, brothers and sisters, we can sing such an incredible hymn that calls the grace of God amazing. So, James, I want to, I told you I was going to do this last night. Uh, I did it to my pastor this uh, past episode. I asked him, I was like, can you give us a quick gospel presentation? He went, no. And he literally froze for like 20 seconds. I had to edit it out. But, you know, like I always say, I hope unbelievers listen to this. I hope Christians listen to it. And most people are probably going to be on the reform side, but hopefully it's edifying to them. But the gospel serves as sanctification to Christians. Uh, it, it glorifies God in our salvation every time we hear it. But I hope that unbelievers hear it and come and that that message will reach his elect as we know that it will. So mm -hmm. to end us, would you please give us a gospel presentation? I sure will. But before I do, I want to say first, good job throwing your pastor under the bus. <laughs> every time. And he throws me under the bus every single day. So I can do it once a week on a podcast. That's right. <laughs> well, when I when I think of the way I generally share the gospel with an individual, um, I begin by looking at these four aspects of the gospel. Um, God, man, Christ response. That God is a perfect and holy God. And because he is perfect and holy, that means that he is better than we are. He is perfect. He is great. And he is righteous. And the fact that God is righteous 
brings an issue for us because as we just talked about for 40 minutes, we are depraved. We are sinful. We are fallen. We are broken. And it wasn't a mere traffic violation in which we got. It's that we rejected God completely. We didn't miss the bullseye by just a little bit. Our sin is turning against God and shooting the opposite direction. And so therefore, because God is righteous and holy and we are sinful and depraved, there's an issue for us. But as many people say, R.C. being one of them, there's a beautiful word in the English language and we find it throughout all of scripture. And it's that little word, but, B-U-T, but God being rich in mercy, sent his only begotten son into the world that would live a life that we could not, a perfect and righteous life that would take that his life to the point of death, death on a cross. And in doing so, he would be able to impute his righteousness to all who would repent and believe and trust in him. And in doing so, he offers that to those that he is drawing to himself. And in drawing them to himself, he is offering salvation to them. And in that, we can repent and believe and trust in Christ. For anybody out there that does not know him or you know that for sure, or you feel the Spirit calling you, my prayer would be for you, though I may never know you or may ever never talk to you, is that as Christ calls you to himself, that you respond accordingly. And for the believer out there, let this just ring with you with great joy and peace. Because of this, you find hope. Because of this, you live in life and in death with hope that surpasses all understanding. Because Christ has saved you and he is maintaining your salvation. And we will spend an eternity with our Heavenly Father. And there is great joy to be found in that. We did not deserve it. We did not earn it. But he freely gives it to us. Amen. And that truth, every bit of that truth that that James just gave us should make our hearts sing with joy, with confidence that we are new, that we are loved, and that we have a heavenly father who is fully and truly capable of saving to the uttermost. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been an amazing episode of the Five Solos Podcast. I have thoroughly enjoyed recording with James. Prayerfully, we can do this a little bit further down the line. Coming up, Next next week, you're going to love this one. This is the one that usually gets people all in the cage stage, all riled up. We're going to talk about unconditional election, or is it a you? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about unconditional election, predestination, and I'm going to have a special guest on for that one as well. I am looking forward to it. And so, guys, we're going to wrap up at this time. This has been James Watkins with the other James White on the Five Solas podcast. And may all that you do be done to the glory of God.